Our dear Lord in heaven, we do ask that you would be with us as we study this uh, this chapter today. And really, Lord, as we study the book of Proverbs in general, uh, there is so much uh, good truth here uh, that is useful for us uh, people at our stage of life. And Lord, we would ask that you would help us and encourage us um, and teach us the way uh, everlasting. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, all right, so we started just a little bit late because of load shedding and, uh, and traffic on the way, so we're just going to get right into it, um, right, right in the middle of it. And you see here in verses 1 to 2, I want to say a few words, and then I'm going to break you up into your groups. Uh, look at verses 1 to 2 here of chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Okay? So, real quick. What are we expecting to hear after this right now? What is this person about to do? What is this person who is speaking here? What is he about to do? He's about to teach. Yes, yes. Confidence. Okay, yes. He's about to teach. And what is the person who's hearing this teaching not supposed to do? Not, say that again. Not forget and keep. Okay? So this guy is about to teach. And the person who hears, his son in this context, his son, because remember, who did we say Proverbs is written to? We spoke about this two, two weeks ago. Who is Proverbs written to? Okay, now I'm going to need hands. This is, this is too much. I need hands now. I need some confidence. Go ahead. Who's, who's it written to? The youth. Yes. It's written to young people at the cusp of life, about to make decisions about where their life is to go. Specifically to the sons, uh, but the, 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 the lesson has always been transferable. The son is, is, a, he is a, a representative of the youth, just like Adam is the representative of all mankind. Now, so, okay, so the youth, you, my son, my daughter, you, you are supposed to listen to this teaching, not forget it, and keep it, yeah? What will be the result of that? I, I said I need hands. I just, I just want hands now. Go ahead. What, what will be the result? It's right in front of you. There's no trick questions yet. Bench? So, length of days, years of life, peace that will add to you. Those three things are actually distinct. The first two look like they're synonyms of each other, but they're actually not. Length of days means talks, is talking about the quality of your days. The length of days, you see, if your day is full of dark, if your day is shortened by darkness, then what is understood is that your, the quality of your days is not good. People don't really enjoy darkness, right? We don't necessarily enjoy short days. But if you have a long day, especially if you're, you're working the ground and you've got more sun and more sun and more sun to work with, it means that your days are full of quality. You're, you're getting things done. You're able to achieve uh, perhaps a lot more uh, than you would have uh, been able to. So length of days is talking about the quality of life. Years of life, it will add to you. 
Meaning what? It will add more years to your life. If you don't listen to this, you will shorten your lifespan. Okay, now we have to get to a point where we either we believe this or we don't. Okay? Now, I, I want you to work with me here. Do we believe this book or we don't? We do. Okay, so if you keep whatever this guy is about to say right now, then you have more years in your life. How so? Because you will not do stupid things that shorten your life. If you listen to these words, if you listen to this admonition, then you will understand life and you will not do the stupid things that cause you to not have a long life. You will not be lazy, which will make you stressed and depressed and poverty, hungry, die. (laughs) Are you with me? You will not take out a loan on behalf of someone else. Because then if you do that, then you've got stress, and you've got stress, you're lengthening your short of your life, and then you're depressed, and you die. That's how it works. You see, if you listen to what he says, the quality of your life will be good, and generally, you will not do all the things that cause people's lives to be short. Okay? That's the second thing. What's the third thing? Peace. Peace that will add to you. There is a way of living life on earth that is without peace. Are you with me? Yeah? Okay. Let's start off on the extreme. What's, what's going on right now in world news that just says no peace? War. Yeah? So that's the extreme. On, the, on this side, there's, there's war and turmoil in people's lives. Are you with me? There's stress and depravity and and, and all kinds of mental problems caused by decisions made along the way that suck peace out of your life. More than that, think about it this way. Life happens to people, yeah? Life happens to you. Do you realize that no matter what else is happening around you in your life, the Bible still says there is a way to live that has that is full of joy and peace and life in the midst of it. Are you with me? Even no matter this, no matter what's actually going on around you, like there's there could be literally there could be Russians. <laughs> there could be stuff happening are all around you. Are you with me? But you are living a life of peace and joy. If you don't agree with me, go read the Bible. Go read the book of Acts when the guys are being threatened with death. And they come out not, oh man, we've just been threatened with death. We've just been beaten and shellacked. Oh man, what's going to become of us? They come out doing what? Rejoicing. Doesn't compute. You've just been beaten here to a pulp. Your body is broken. Have you ever been beaten? With like a... Like, I mean, I come from the days when we got beaten. You guys got spanked. I got beaten. You understand? Have you ever been beaten? Like proper lashes. Like I'm talking shambok. Now, at home, when you get beaten, you know, it's still to fix the problem. The way that these guys were beaten, it wasn't to fix any problem. It was to properly, it was to break them. Broken, beaten, beaten up. Men who have homes. Men who have dignity. Beaten up in public. But then they come out, stand up, and they rejoice. What does James 1 say? 
Consider your trials like what? You know, as you consider your trials, consider, consider all joy when trials come to you. So you, do you understand this? There is a way to live with peace. So he says length of days, means meaning quality of life, more years of life, meaning that you will live long, long, if you don't do dum-dum. And then third thing, peace that will add to you. There is a way to walk. There is a way to live. There is a way to respond to life as life happens that maintains peace. And not just maintains, it brings peace. See, adds peace. Peacemaking in the midst of chaos even. You can, you can say, I mean, I'm, just, I'm digressing here, but you can say that the lack of peace in your life is because of list the things. Uh, there's a lack of peace in my life because of this person. The lack of peace of my life because of Vitz administration. <laughs> lack of peace in my life. You, you could say that. Go ahead. But for me, I come to scriptures like this and I say, lack of peace in your life because you possibly aren't keeping these words. There's a way that you are responding to Vitz administration that is removing, <laughs> that is removing peace. I appreciate that, amen, brother. I don't know. <laughs> there is a way that you are living as you consider Vitz administration that says that you, that, that, that removes the peace from you, that the peace that is your birthright. As a child of God, peace is your birthright, it's what you have as a guarantee. Where, because where does it come from? Who can, hear, who can name all the, 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 the fruits of the Spirit here? I, I, want, eh, I want bravery. I want bravery or nothing. Thank you. Ooh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again. Did you hear that? It comes from the Spirit. We heard last Sunday at church in the morning... What is the Holy Spirit to us? Why is He given to us? No, no, no. no last, I'm talking about last Sunday. Specifically, He does come to comfort in another verse, but just last Sunday, Sunday morning, you were saying it, Mercy? As a guarantee of our inheritance. You see this? Ephesians chapter 1 says, The Holy Spirit is a guarantee. We have the Holy Spirit... And the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit. God is saying, I have an inheritance for you. You can't see it right now. So here's my Holy Spirit. So you know that I got you. Are you with me? So then if the, if the Spirit is a guarantee of, the, of, your, of, your, of your inheritance. And the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is. What is peace? It's your birthright. It's telling you what's coming for you. What is in your future? What God has for you in eternity coming? So what, what I'm saying to you is that, is that this, these words that, that, that we're about to read, I'm trying to set up these words, okay? Because you guys are about to study them now. But as you study these words, I want you to see something, yeah? I want you to, 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 to really suck out all the juices. I've got questions in there in front of you. I want you guys to, I want you to suck out all these juices. Because if you walk in this... Right? If you walk in this, not, not some prosperity gospel nonsense stuff. I'm talking about proverbial truth. The truth of that 
if you are in Christ and you live a life in accordance with God's design of life, you should expect certain outcomes in general, all things being equal. Are you with me? So, I'm going to divide you up into, into groups, yeah? And I want you to... The first group is going to do verses 3 to 4, and I have the questions there for you. Second group is going to do verses 5 to 7, third group, etc., etc., up until verse 12, and then we'll come back together. Okay, okay. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's get into this. I want to read from you uh, the, the verses that you did not do. From verse 13 to 27. Uh, because what's actually happening here is that you have verse 1 and 2, and then some meat, some descriptions, some ways of wisdom. And then from verse 13, it goes back to the same principle that was being spoken about of in verse 1 and 2, and it's expanded. And I want you to listen to this, okay? And, 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 and hear me when I say this. Read this as if what it's saying is actually true. Okay? Read this as if what it's saying hardly needs any interpretation. Of course, it does need some interpretation. But as I'm reading these verses just now, just take it as it says. And consider what it would mean to you if what is being said here is true. Let's read verse 13. Blessed, okay, and our English translations are not helping us here because the word is actually happy. Is happy. The word blessed, oftentimes, the word that's translated is blessed, unless when it's talking about the Lord, blessed be the Lord. But generally, when it's talking about us, it's saying happy. You understand what I mean by happy? Like, <laughs> happy. Okay? Full of life. Happy. Happy is the one who finds wisdom. And the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. Now hold on for a second. If I find wisdom and I get understanding... What I get from wisdom is worth more than what I get than I, what I would with what I would get with money. So, I mean, think about this, guys. I could get a lot of stuff with money. Okay, I mean, I could get us a new church building. You know what I mean? If I had unlimited money, we're in desperate need of a new church building. I could get us a new church building. You know what I mean? I could get a bigger house. I could pay all your student debt. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be nice? You know what I mean? I could make sure you all have lunch during church. You know what I mean? I mean, like, we could get a lot with, 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 with silver. You understand this? We could gain a lot. We, I, mean, we, I mean, we could go to Cape Town. You understand this? And then, like, fly up to Durban and, you know, and then go to the, the, the Victoria Falls. I mean, do you understand? You could do a lot with money. You could gain a lot with money. You could go study at Harvard. You know what I mean? You could, I mean, guys, I mean, think about There is a lot you can gain with money. But what is he saying here? Take all of that together, 
bundle it up in a sack, it will still weigh less than what you gain from wisdom. It is, it is still less. The gain from wisdom is better, qualitatively better, than the gain that you get from, from silver. And her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Are you liking some stuff right now? Do you desire some stuff? Want to be successful? Uh, Want to, I don't know, find a spouse? Want to, you know, get a nicer car? I mean, do you desire a bunch of stuff? You want to grow in your knowledge of Christ? You know, you, you have all these things you want, right, that you desire. Nothing you desire is better than wisdom. Nothing can even compare to wisdom. Wisdom is so precious, this concept, this, this, this person, and she is described as a her. To, 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 see, God says, how can I describe wisdom to these people? Let me let them imagine the fairest of all creatures, a woman. So that I can describe her as I'm describing a beautiful woman that is everybody just wants to look at. Are you with me? He's, he's using this, like, it's like, this, you can't compare anything with her. Look at this. What does she hold in her right hand? Long life. This lady wisdom has long life in her right hand. And in her left hand, she has riches and honor. Okay? And what we understand from this riches and honor, it's the true kind. The, the, descript, the thing that makes the riches and honor that she has on her left hand better than the other riches on whatever you can gain from other silver is that she has true riches and true honor in her left hand. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Now listen to this. Now he goes even deeper and he now just twists it a little bit. He changes it just a little bit. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge. Okay? So now wisdom is not this lady. We're moving away for a moment at least from this image of wisdom as a lady who cannot be compared to. We're now going to wisdom as the concept by which the very foundation of existence comes from. By the Lord, by wisdom founded the earth. Without wisdom, the Lord would not have founded the earth. You with me? By understanding, this is another word for wisdom. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds uh, dropped the dew. I want to ask you this. Who does the Bible tell us God was the... Oh, let me put it this way. Who does the Bible tell us was the agent of creation? Uh, again, I don't want... Hands up. Christ. Colossians 1. Doesn't this remind you of Colossians 1.15? There's nothing that was made. And pray do tell. What's this term 
that John calls Jesus in John chapter 1? The Logos. Yeah? The Word. Okay? And the Word is this concept of richness, of eternality, of life. See, he's using a, a Greek term. And the Greeks understood the Logos to be the thing that makes everything make sense. You see this? So he's taking that term that the Greeks were using at the time, and he is saying, "No, you guys, you guys have the wrong. You guys have. You, you, you're close, but you're not there. Let me help you." The Word became flesh. The very Word that that put everything that was there in the beginning, which means the Word is eternal, because it was there before. This very Word, this very wisdom, this very understanding, this knowledge, became flesh and walked among us. So right off the bat, I want you to see that when we're talking about wisdom as a concept, it goes far beyond just us trying to keep some of these things. When we're told to pursue wisdom, we're told to pursue Christ and Christ-likeness. You seen this? Wisdom, the concept of wisdom is anchored on Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus said, one greater than Solomon is now here. You remember this? He's, and at that point, he was talking specifically regarding the greatness of Solomon that came from his wisdom. And he's saying, I'm here. So what we're pursuing, when we, when we listen to this wisdom, and we want to walk in it, and we want to dissect all of these corners, we're not just dissecting uh, 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 some some. You know, some fancy words, some, some, some WhatsApp status truisms. You know what I mean? Or some of those gold cast videos. You know, some, those quotable things. You know what I'm saying? Or those, those you know, those statuses with the, with, with, that's written in those like fonts that are like this. You know, you, know those, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? That's not what we're talking about here. Right? We're talking about Christ-likeness. We're talking about Jesus... He was here as a man, and he's the one that we pursue, but also he is the very he is the very theory that we want to study and live by. He is the very philosophy that we want to live by. You understand? Are you with me? Okay. Go on for a second. Verse 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul. And adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely. And your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror. Or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence. And will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is within your power to do it. Actually, I should have stopped at verse 26. Because in verse 27, he then starts going on this other section. So let's just hold it here at verse 26. I want you to understand here that, that in verse 26, the Lord will be your confidence once, wickedness, once the, the falling on the ruin of the, wicked, of the wicked happens. And the reason the Lord is your confidence is because you're not pursuing law, you're pursuing the Lord. Okay, so we've just I've just shown you, and there's many other texts that I could use even here to show you um, that this this wisdom, this concept of wisdom, finds its landing on Christ. But 
more than that, you must see that because you're pursuing Christ and you're pursuing His wisdom, what flows from Him, then you don't need to fear what happens around you. Think about it this way. Have you ever met an old wise man who is dead in his sins? Now think about that question for a second. Don't be quick to answer. An old wise man, a man whom people can go to, and whenever he speaks, he speaks sense. Maybe not all the time, because he's a person. But a lot of the times when he speaks, he speaks sense. Or an old wise woman. People consult with this lady. She's always making peace. She lives what looks like it's proverbial. Are you with me? But she's dead in her sins. She's dead in her sins. Completely going to be destroyed by God when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Absolutely has no hope in the world. Because she has not bent the knee. You have seen people like that. Here's the reason. Because it's not just about the truism. It's not just about these specific things on their own. Being able to keep this aspect and that aspect and that aspect. It's the entire thing. It is the pursuit of wisdom. The pursuit of Christ. Holding on to Christ and living by Him. It is not just the pursuit of managing money well. It's not just the pursuit of managing my tongue well. There's going to be a lot of people who had a good grasp on their tongues and they're in hell. Lots. Good grasp on their tongues. Said what they wanted to say at the right time. In hell. Why? Because salvation is not by works. Salvation is about this man. Salvation is about this wisdom. The pursuit of this wisdom. Such that when the ruin of the wicked, you see he says here, look at what he says here in verse Do not, in verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For Yahweh will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You see, you don't just, you're not just pursuing this idea, you're pursuing Him and He is there with you. So some of these results, some of these promises, because you see here, even some of the things that we were talking about just now, there's like, do this and then this is what's going to happen. Do this is what's going to happen. You're going to miss that if all you're looking at is just, okay, I'm just going to do this and then I should expect that to happen. Lots of people do this and this doesn't happen. Are you with me? Lots of people do this and then this never happens. It's because this is just one part. This is just, it's, it's like you're, you're looking at an eye. Whereas you're saying, if I just have an eye, I'll see. No, your eye needs to be connected to your whatever things that it's connected to here. At the back. And all those nerves, is it? Help me, Simpio. Don't just watch me suffer. Simpio is just watching me suffer in public. Help me here, man. Thank you. What he said. But your eye is connected to that stuff. You don't just need the eye. You can't just say, I have an eye, I will see. No, your eye needs to be in the body that's alive. And even if it is connected to the optic nerves, the heart needs to be beating. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So it's the entire thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a form, it's a full orbs thing. It's all connected. It's not just about the one part. Um, so, 
and, 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 and only in those do we then understand the results of what the Proverbs do. Because the Proverbs give us a lot of results. Do this, this will happen. This is what this will happen. You only understand this because Proverbs is talking, yes, here, now. But it is also has its eye, because it's a, it's a book of wisdom. It is, it is part of, the, of what we call the wisdom literature, like the Psalms and Song of Solomon. These books are, are heavily, heavily typical. When we say typical, we mean they are heavily shadow. They, they, they talk about something now, but they're actually meaning something that's way far in the future. You remember when we read the Psalms, how often do you read the Psalms and then you say, hold on, this was actually happening in David's life. And then Jesus quotes it and says, it's happening to me. This was talking about me. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Psalm 22, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. David was saying that about his own life. But actually, what Psalm 22 is talking about is Jesus on the cross. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, the, the, the wisdom literature, while it is explaining temporal, it is heavily shadowed. It is, a, it is a heavy shadow. So, some of the things that it says, it says so strongly because the, it's almost like Solomon can see the connection from this all the way into the new heavens and the new earth. And so some of, the, some, of the, some of the confusion that people have, and we're going to settle some of it now, some of the confusion people have is because they don't have that full theology of Proverbs. They just think of Proverbs as just a, you know, just a, you know, a Proverbs a day keeps foolishness away kind of thing. <laughs> that's fair, that's fine, that's a good phrase to use, but just know that that's not complete. Yeah? Okay, but we'll get into a lot of those nitty-gritties as we study the book of Proverbs further on. But I thought it's necessary to talk about that. Alright, group one. With, with all of that said, now let's look at the parts that make up wisdom, okay? And some of the things that are more practical for us as we live here now. You with me? And uh, for those of, those, those of you who are new, at any point in time you have a question, you just raise your hand. Okay? Alright. Verses uh, 3 to 4 here. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Group 1. Let's start with this group 1. Real quick. Help me out. What is steadfast love? Did you guys have this a similar... I'm going to actually just ask you guys to stand up at the same time. Just to, just compare your answers here and work with Do What did you guys say? Who, who's your spokesperson? What is steadfast love? What do you guys say here? Consistent and unchanging love. You with me? Okay. To whom must we love this way? Everyone. God and man. Where do you get everyone from? Aha, aha, where do you got God and man from? I appreciate that. These guys, I don't know what these guys were thinking. I appreciate what you, appreciate you guys because you got it from the text. It's right there in the sight of God and man. Just teasing. You guys were right too. Just were 50% right. Everyone plus God, yeah? Okay. Um, Okay, now go on. Uh, what is the difference between steadfast love and love? Yeah, 
Oh, no consensus. What do you guys say? The, 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 technically, there is no difference because love is love. The challenge is that human beings, based on what you're talking about, human beings have this thing. Yeah? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, this is the problem with human beings, right? Just in your flimsy. Have you ever. Have you ever tried to hold a dog's paw? Just flimsy. Just, just, that's what it is. That's what human beings are like. And so steadfast love is, is, re- is referring to real love. Real, real love. Real giving over of the other person. But doing so consistently. Okay. What is faithfulness? Similar thing, yeah. Uh, this was a bit tricky because actually the word that's more accurate here is firmness, like tightness, firm. So it, it's 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 both of these ideas because you see in the proverbs and in Hebrew literature, especially we'll see this a lot in proverbs. He'll say the same thing in a different way. So he's saying steadfast love, and then he's describing steadfast love, but in a different way: firm, straight, faithful. Some translations even use the word truth because truth is in the Hebrew mind the thing that is straight and unmoving and unchanging. The the point here is that we're talking about someone whom you can trust. Yeah? Okay. Consider the causes of faithlessness. Let's start with you. Yeah. Uh, the flesh, and the love of the Lord. Mm. Yeah. So we added um, love and You guys are right, but you're skirting around the issue. Yeah, you, you you're both right. You're skirting around the real issue here. What is it that causes me to not go on a straight line? Like, here's a straight... I say I'm going to do something. Okay. Hey, uh, you need me to pick you up. I'll pick you up. And then I don't. So you mentioned, you, you, you mentioned it. It's, the, the, it's sin. And it's sinful things that... that it's sin as the core... And underneath that sin is not prioritizing, not managing time well, or managing resources well. It's faithless. Not considering others better than myself. See, because if I'm not faithful, or I'm, I'm not faithful to you, perhaps because, and you mentioned a bit of it, right, pride, right? I, 
I think too much of myself. The, the idea here is, remember, we're talking about steadfast love and faithfulness towards others, meaning God and man. So what makes me faith, faithless towards God is some of the things that you just mentioned, not meditating on his word, not trusting him. Um, but a lot of the time, it's just, it's just, sometimes it's not thinking. Like, who here, last time you sinned? Think about the last time you sinned. Maybe it was today. Probably was today. It was today. <laughs> it was today. Think about the last time you sinned. Did you plan to sin? Did you pry? Or did you, in your mind, have a full-on machination of how this is going to go, and you're thinking, God, this is my attitude right now towards you? Most of the time, I mean, it might have been like that, but most of the time, it's just not thinking. You're, you're faithless because you're just not interested at that moment. Your heart is, is cold, or your heart is uninterested, or your heart is distracted. So a lot of things cause uh, uh, faithlessness, and you mentioned some of it. Fickle heart. Ooh, here's something shiny. Facebook reels. Ooh, here's something else that's shiny. Rims. You know, you know, you just, you just, you move here from here, so you. Then there's a lack of faith. There's a lack of faithfulness. Okay. What does what does it mean to bind them on your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, steadfast love, which is love that is consistent, love that is not fickle, love that stands firm and is trustworthy. I can call this person and I know that the response I'm going to get from them is like this. Are you with me? I can call on this brother or this sister and I know that they're going to respond to me this way. It's not going to depend on what they ate today or what they didn't eat today or how much they didn't sleep. Are you seeing the challenge? Who here, when you haven't had a proper sleep in the morning, feel like being steadfast loving to everybody else? <laughs> None of us, right? But you see, this is, the, this is the thing we want to go for, okay? We want to go for this. To be people who are constant, trustworthy, reliable, and to be people who are faithful. It is steadfast love, faithfulness. I want to bind it to me. I want to have this attached to me in an, in an unmovable way. What will be the result if you're a steadfast lover and a faithful person? This is, a, I mean, it's just what it says. Okay, you guys, you can sit down. Well done, guys. Thank you. Uh, you will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Do you know a friend who's untrustworthy?
the reason we even know this friend as a friend who's untrustworthy is because they're not trustworthy. Do you see how this person does not have high esteem in our eyes? Are you seeing this? There is a friend who's unreliable. There is a brother whom you can't trust. Maybe. You see, there's no esteem. There's no esteem. That's with people. With people, we, we ourselves, I myself, don't trust somebody who doesn't have steadfast love, doesn't have faithfulness. I don't trust them myself. So there's no, fa- there's no favor or high esteem with me. There's no me thinking, yeah, this is the person that can really help us out here. Or, or yeah, you know what? Uh, this, is the, this is the company that you really should go do business with. I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you don't get service, like, your Google review is going to be two stars. You see, there's a, there's a favor, there's a high esteem. But also with who? You will find favor and good success or, in, or high esteem in the sight of God and man. In the sight of God. Jesus said something that sometimes Christians like to brush over. He says, if you're not faithful with little things, who's going to trust you with the true riches? Yeah? If, you, if, you, if, 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 you, if you're not faithful with the small, how can I trust you with the big? So Jesus is building a kingdom here. Are you with me? He's building a kingdom. He is gathering his kingdom from all over the world. He is making, he is busy building his church. He is not going to come and give you serious responsibilities in his kingdom if you're flimsy. If he can't trust you. If you are this person, because you don't, he doesn't, you, you will not, he says, if you keep this and tightness here, you will find favor and, and high esteem with God and man. Meaning that if you don't do this, you won't have that. Hence, Jesus says, even whatever you have, help me with the verse, even whatever you have will be taken from you. I gave you one city. You made a mess of that. I'm not even I'm not gonna give you more cities, I'm just gonna take the city and give it to somebody else. See? So a lot of the times, you know, some people like and, and here's the thing, like people love to make it seem like you know God is on their side, it's just all the people and the problems around them. Like it's just all the people and the haters out there and and all this stuff. It's just, that's the biggest problem I have. God has always got me. One, you'll turn around and God is saying, I'm not trusting you with that. My assessment of you is worse than what they're saying. Because I know you when they don't see you. So what I'm saying to you, friends, as I'm, as I'm encouraging us, right? As I'm encouraging us. Okay, this is all encouragement now. That we need to, what we need to do is, is make a commitment to, to be people who are steadfast lovers, loving people steadfastly, consistently, even to the point of our own laws. And this is hard, hey friends? Oh man, it's hard. Ah, oh. I oh, know, you know, it's hard. Listen, to, to, to love people consistently. Without a care to the time of day, to the situation in the, in the world, to the because the standard of this is God, right? 
God is a standard. Imagine if you went to pray to God and asked Him to forgive you, and He just said, I'm just dealing with stuff right now. <laughs> Are you with me? Imagine if you went to God and asked Him to forgive you, or asked Him to help you, and He's like, oh, man, like, do you understand how swamped I am? Now, I'm not saying that we should, like, I'm not trying to make some false equivalences here, like we, we can never say no, things like that. But what I'm trying to show you is how much God is available to us. How much God loves us consistently. How much God doesn't change. How once God sets His love on us, even though we are faithless, He remains faithful. And so that's what we ought to emulate. We need to think like if, 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 something that com- if someone comes and if, if someone's really hurt me badly, but they're coming... And this situation, they're coming back to me, and this situation requires my love, requires me to show steadfast love. I ought to fight against myself and show steadfast love. If someone's coming back to me and, like, they're just like the bane of my existence, like, I just don't enjoy them. But because God, even though I'm not enjoyable, because God is steadfastly loving me, Receiving my prayers, God has, has heard me pray and asked for forgiveness for the same thing 500 times. And He is still here. His Spirit is still here with me. Surely that has implications for how I treat this, these people. You see what I'm saying? That's what we ought to be going for. We need to bind steadfast love, put it in our faces, and bind faithfulness, steadfastness, holding on to the course, being being firm and truthful, and we should bind that and, and, and make that a part of ourselves. Anit. Oh, there were two hands. Oh, you were just helping me by extending. Yes. Yeah, I appreciate that. No. You guys remember what Jesus said you to do for your enemies? 
What did he say practically is good for them? Not pray that their teeth may be kicked in. <laughs> no. He's saying it positively there. Okay? In that particular point, he's saying it positively. Pray for them good. Pray for them success. Pray for them advancement. The same advancement you want for yourself. And it always begins with praying for them that the Lord might save them. Does that answer your question? Everyone. Who do you not like? Donald Trump, pray for him. Who do do you not like? No, no, let me ask. Who do you not like? Vladimir Putin, pray for him. Who do you not like? The Zulus, pray for us. (laughs) Who do you not love? Tell me. Who do you not like? Whoever you don't like, pray for them. Okay, it's fun when we're talking about those ideas out there, but we have enemies. People who annoy us. People whose French we've got fractured friendships. People who don't talk to anymore. Are you with me? Pray for them. Okay, it's, it's all fun to talk about the enemy, the theoretical enemies out there. But, but when you're talking about the person that you right now have an issue with, pray for them. Yeah. You with me? There was a, well, you said there were two hands. Is he, why is the brother not talking about him? Was he fine? Oh, he was agreeing. I mean, he was agreeing. The brother was agreeing. Okay. Okay, that's, that's that one, guys. So let me encourage you, right? Uh, really, uh, steadfast love. Consistent love. Fight, find what it is that's causing you to be inconsistent in your love. Find it. Deal with it. Don't be comfortable sitting here today, going back home and still being flimsy. What is it that causes me in my situation with this person and that person to not be consistent in my love of them? Am I thinking too much of the hurt instead of praising God for the benefits? Am I not seeing the blessing this person is in my life? I'm just so focused on the annoyances. Am I, is my meditation needing to change because it's causing me not to be steadfast? Am I not talking to myself? I'm rather responding to myself. I don't feel like doing it, so I don't do it. Instead of saying, I don't feel like doing it, but man, if I did it, I would be acting like my Father in Heaven. Find what it is that's causing you to not be loving steadfastly and deal with it as a matter of high priority. You want to be a person who has steadfast love and who is firm and faithful um, to people around you and towards your Savior and Lord as well. Let's move on. Verses, group B, verses 5 to 7. Let me read these verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Did I say something? Lots of people are leaving. I hope nothing's happening outside. Um, Group, uh, group B's. Could I have both your representatives stand up? Okay. Uh, CJ, what is the opposite 
of trusting the Lord with all your heart in this text? Trusting your own wisdom. Yeah. Did you guys say the same thing? Sorry? By being wise in our own eyes. Why are you tempted to lean on your own understanding? Give us some reasons. I wouldn't say human nature. I would say corrupt human nature. Yeah, that's more like the fallenness of, of our state. Because human nature is beautiful. Uh, do, does everybody understand this distinction? We need to understand this distinction. Human nature is falling asleep. I'm not God, I sleep. He doesn't sleep. But not trusting God is not because of human nature. Not trusting God is because I'm, I'm a rebellious human being distinction now very good very very good on both of you now let's let, let, let's let's uh, let's keep going here what does it actually mean to acknowledge him in all your ways Over here? Good. So let's put this together. Um, uh, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart means that you entirely take your life and place it in his direction. And if you trust somebody, can I tell you what trusting that somebody looks like? You do not complain. Are you with me? Are you getting this? You do not complain. If you trust the Lord, you do what He's you just do what He says. You do not complain. Who is it? Tell me an example of someone or a group of people who were walking following something that God said, do this. 
They were doing it, but they were completely unhappy. Can you tell me of an example? Who is it? Who am I thinking about? When? When they were going to the promised land. Yeah? That is not trusting the Lord. Because sometimes you could be saying, no, I'm being dragged in the way of the Lord, but I'm being dragged kicking and screaming. Okay, that's not trusting the Lord, friends. Trusting the Lord means that I, within my entire heart, and not leaning on my own understanding, the opposite of that is, is, not, is not leaning on my own understanding, meaning that I understand a few things. You guys can sit down. I understand a few things about myself. What? Can I compare my understanding to God's understanding? What is the fundamental difference between my understanding and God's understanding? Mine is finite. Fancy word. Care to explain it? It's constrained by time and space. We have a physicist over here. Yes, 100%. My understanding is, has limitations, real limitations. What else? The, the, the first limitation is that it's physically just dependent on what it sees. My understanding is only just regarding here, time and space. What's another limitation that my understanding has? Tainted by sin. Tainted by sin. My understanding is faulty. It's broken. Okay? You understand this? So we say the Lord works in mysterious ways. No. The Lord works in righteous ways. The problem is that we're not righteous. Hence, we don't understand it. Don't say the Lord works in mysterious ways. I don't even know where that comes from. No. The Lord works in righteous ways. In ways that are higher. The Bible says His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. They are righteous. We're not. End of story. First, He is not man. We are man. He is God. Second, He is holy. We are unholy. Even now, thinking synapses. Okay, is there a neural person here? How do we... Is it, is it neural, neural networks? What is it in our brains? Neural pathways? Is it... Even our neural pathways are warped because of sin. I mean, you've seen the studies, right? You watch stuff on your, on your phone or computer, you watch it enough times, the neural networks in your brain start schisming, you basically become like ESCOM, load shedding every now and again. <laughs> You're no longer thinking straight. You're no longer clear. There's load shedding in parts of your brain that should be working. See what I'm saying? So we, that, that's the main, that's a fundamental issue here. And so therefore, we need to acknowledge God in all of our ways. Absolutely acknowledge Him. Absolutely consider that it is Him who should be trusted, not me. There is a little book entitled, by one of my favorite authors, entitled The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. There's another freedom. There's a freedom of self-forgiveness. He, there, uh, uh, Keller is talking about. Um, he's talking about um, uh, not thinking about yourself all the time. I'll add something. I'll 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 take that same t- title and just change something. There's a freedom of of oh man, my English. There's a freedom of self-forgetfulness. There's a freedom of a lack of self-trust. 
Didn't work, did it? The freedom of self not trusting. The freedom of self-trustlessness. Come on! Westerners, help me here. Who's the English person? Where's the English major? Help me. The freedom, the freedom of self. I just want to say not trusting yourself. What's a nice word? The freedom of not self-reliance. Okay, it doesn't work really, eh? It's not smooth. The point is, we get the point, right? You guys are buying the book if I publish it, right? Even though the, the titles, even though the titles are a bit muddy. Do you have Do you have a better phrase? Selflessness. No, 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 no. Yes. Wonderful. We have a winner right here. There's the freedom of self-forgetfulness and there's the burden of self-reliance. Hi. 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 The burden, the slavery of self-reliance. This guy's getting royalties from the book. The slavery, the burden of self-reliance. If you just... If you... Like, if, if the decisions you make on your life are based on you and what you know, oh, I pity you. Oh, I pity you. If when I did the, you, you make this move, and that move, and that move, solely and entirely based on your understanding and reasoning capacities, you honestly think you're Einstein. You think that you can see all the things such that you can make this move without consulting God. And without making sure that you properly have consulted God, right? You're not misinterpreting things. Which means going to other Christians. Help me understand, am I thinking about this right? We'll talk about that when we're talking about getting advice next, next time. But certainly, there is, there, is a bur- there is really a burden there. There is really a, a heaviness that I would encourage you to stay away from. Um, you are going to get your... If you do not acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, you are going to get yourself... Not just, we're not just talking eternity here. We're talking about here. You're going to get yourself in a twist. You're going to get yourself in serious binds if you just decide to do things based on what's in here. You, yeah, you're going to tie yourself backwards and forwards. You're going you're gonna to get into situations. You know how people talk about learning from experience? Don't learn from experience. Because experience is never positive. When people say, no, I've learned, I've made my mistakes, I've learned. But they, they, they move quickly over the mistake. I've made my mistakes, I've learned. I've learned, I've experienced. <laughs> hold on, hold on. What was the mistake? I burnt my house down. But I, I learned from my mistake. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. You burnt your house down, so what happened? Well, I'm in debt. I'm paying for a house I don't have. But I learned from my mistake. I've learned from experience. Oh, oh, wait a second. You're in financial wood. Your life is in tatters. You've made serious mishaps. You've destroyed people's lives. But you're saying you're boasting because you've learned from experience. No, let me tell you. Avoid that experience by trusting in God. Avoid it. 
Just don't, just avoid the destruction. Avoid the burning house. And just go to what God says. And trust that when God says, if you go in this way, the house will burn. Trust Him when He says that. See, here's the problem. When you don't think, you don't see that the house is going to burn, yeah? You're like, nah, man. There's no way this house is going to burn down. No ways. There's a fire extinguisher here. There's a, I mean, how can this burn down just because I, I lit a candle and put it here and I left? No. No, it, it can. See, if God says it's going to burn down, trust and believe it's going to burn down. Some of you are, are, are struggling with trusting God with some of the decisions that He is imposing on your lives and saying you can't do this because your heart feels a certain way. You feel this very strongly. Ooh, when I see Him, yo. Yo. Ooh, when I see Him, yo, Justin J. Yo. Death. Death. Absolute death. You're flirting with danger. You're absolutely flirt. Don't flirt with danger. Yeah, well. like I know what's going on over there. I know that if I go there, the house is burning down because God said so. Therefore, I'm just going to move. And I'm telling you guys, like, yo, like, it, it comes to the decisions that you guys make with regards to work, with regards to your relationships, with regards to uh, the, the way that you talk about people. It goes down to some fundamental decisions like deciding what to wear. And what your wardrobe is going to look like. And whether or not it's appropriate for you to have this funky artistic hairstyle. All of these things matter if you're a Christian. Because your whole life, you've been ransomed, you belong to Him. So it, it goes down to literally everything. But when you think this is just like, I don't have to acknowledge Him. I don't have to think about what He thinks about this. No, 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 no. No, wait a second. Hold on. What does he say? Go consult him first. You're going to start saying, ah, legalist. Hey, Baba. Be very careful with just throwing out legal. I'm, I'm telling you that your decisions, you, the, the world is stacked against you. 
it is right now offering to you options that are mostly nonsense. Okay, what you guys know to be normal generally in life, maybe not you because you're Christians now, you're starting to see this, but I can tell you now, 9 out of 10 of your friends who are out there in the world, the things that are, they think are normal, that they think are just normal decisions you should be making and living, experiencing these things, going in this way, making this decision, going to that place, and it's just a normal thing, it doesn't, it's, it's no matter. God says danger, death, Theo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sure. I was, what, 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 I, what I mean by that is I'm trying to show that there is a way for me to conduct myself with my appearance that does not, that shows that I have not considered wisdom. Okay? I'll give you an example. There is a way, if you just now chose to have a Rasta Hessa, yeah? Okay, what is Rastafarianism associated with? I'm sorry. If you deny that, you're denying what's in your face. It's like, it's rough, it's weak. So now the Christians here in this community are not going to take you seriously if you start doing Rastafarianism. There's nothing problematic with the Rastafarianism. The, 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 there's nothing wrong with the fact that you did your hair with, the, with that thing. And that you have those colors. Those colors, all that thing doesn't, it's, it's, it's in and in of itself, it's colors. That's the same, that's not the same. But what I'm saying to you is that if you do that without thinking what this communicates, because God says you think what this communicates. You remember in 1 Corinthians 7? It says men shouldn't shave their heads. Women shouldn't have... No, no, no. Am I mixing it up? <laughs> women, should cover their, women should cover their heads. Right? In that culture, it communicated. A man who conducted himself as it communicated something about his life. Even though whether you shave your hair or no, means nothing. Or whether or not you cover your hair or not, literally means nothing. But Paul says, guys, this matters a lot. It matters a lot. And so you, now you're going to treat yourself as if like this, this is not worth even consulting. Not even thinking through, hey, if I do this, is this going to be a stumbling block to Christians around me? Is there someone perhaps who was saved out of this around me? And now I'm taking them back? We, we can drink a glass of wine, right? I can drink a glass of wine. The Lord Jesus drank a glass of wine. But am I going to drink this glass of wine in front of a brother of mine here who was saved from alcoholism and he's counting every day for him? Every day matters. I'm 3,000 days sober. <laughs> no, you laugh, but this is serious. I'm 3,055 days sober. And when are you going to come with your freedom? With your glass of wine? Hey, brother, hey. Hey, you heard that word, right? Nothing problematic with just a glass of wine. But the fact right there, you have not considered God, you have not acknowledged God in that decision you've broken your brother. Who for him, this is this is not just a small thing, this is life. He's fighting for his life next to you, but when you don't care. See the problem? So what I'm saying to you is that it's not about legalism, it's about consulting and thinking through God and not leaning on your own understanding. You with me? 
It goes into all of your decisions of life here. I asked you guys, what is the opposite of being wise in your own eyes? Um, and I think really, to, to be honest, the, this, the answer here is really in what we've just said. It's acknowledging God. So let me ask you this. Um, Sophie, if someone is wise in their own eyes, what does that say regarding their relationship to their Lord? According to these verses, what did you guys say? Yeah, what did you guys say? What you guys are both saying is exactly is exactly true. Um, you can sit down, but let me let me actually drive home to you the the word that's here. You see, look at verse seven. Be not wise in your own eyes, but instead do what? What? Fear the Lord. Be not wise in your own eyes, rather fear the Lord. Are you seeing these two things are enemies? Someone who fears the Lord is not wise in their own eyes. Someone who, doesn't, someone who is wise in their own eyes does not fear the Lord. Are you seeing this? What does it say about the relationship? You do not fear God. The, the Christian fear. We're going to discuss fear of the Lord because the Proverbs talk a lot about it. We're going to discuss it in more detail. But let me just say, the robust reverence and trust of God that is described as the fear of the Lord, you are not operating under it if you are wise in your own eyes. And think about this. Someone who's wise in their own eyes, this is not, I'm not talking about a mistake. Okay, I made, a mis- I made a decision here without thinking. But generally in my life, I follow the Lord. I walk with the Lord. I consult with the Lord. Then it just happened here that I made a mistake. So what we're talking about. A person who's wise in their own eyes is somebody who estimates themselves so highly that they always want to pursue what's in their heads, generally. As a matter of life, they think what they think matters more than consultation. Specifically, consultation with God. So the person who's wise in their own eyes is a person who trusts himself. A person who's wise in their own eyes is a person who worships himself person who fears himself, person who pursues evil. Because why? If they just follow whatever they say, whatever they think, whatever they say. See, these things are these things in verse 7 are shown to be enemies. Be not wise in your own eyes, rather fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. So let me encourage you away from this a life of thinking too highly of yourself and following only after your own desires. If you are a person who generally just lives after whatever you want to do, I cannot tell you now that you are a Christian. Because here, be be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If you are a person who trusts entirely in yourself, 
following your own thought processes, always doing what you want or what you see fit, not what God wants and what God sees fit, even when it doesn't make sense to you, it's possible that you're not a Christian. It's possible that you are walking in the way of evil and you need to turn away from evil. And so let me encourage you that way, friends. If, if you are in Christ, uh, fight against the temptation to be wise in your own eyes. And if you're not in Christ, if you, if you see it true of yourself, that you're always just listening to yourself, always just, just even when the scripture comes, you just don't find it in you to obey to it, to, 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 to bow down to it, to to instantly let it change you. Okay, wow, God's word says that. Okay, well, I was entirely wrong. You know how you should treat God's word? Treat it like you treat Google. You know how sometimes you go, like you, you, you and your friend, you're arguing over a fact. The Eiffel Tower was built in 1856, 1857. No, I'm telling you, it was built in the 1900s. No, Eiffel Tower was built in 1857 by Jean Jean. No, no, you could be, no, no. That's not that's not the Eiffel Tower. That is the Statue of Liberty. It's the 1900s. I guarantee you. Okay, let's Google it now and we'll figure out who's wrong. And then you open up Google and it tells you it's Jean. And then like the, the matter is settled. Then the other person says, "Yo, okay, I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. Fine. That's how you should treat God's word. You might start off with an opinion, but then you consult God's word." You consult the Logos. You consult wisdom. And then when wisdom tells you to go this way, then you say, okay, I was wrong. I was off base. My bad. This is the way to go. Are you seeing this? Okay, next. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Group C, uh, I, and this is just, I want you to give me a theology of money, of how we're to deal with God, how to honor God with our money from verses 9 to 10. And I also gave you more text there. And I want you to talk to me about the Christian's attitude towards money, what a Christian's relationship to money says about them, the purpose of giving, and the result of giving. Go. I need you to give this to me like cliff notes. We took more... Yeah. 
Yeah, wonderful, excellent. Yeah, the purpose of giving to God? Sorry? The purpose of giving to God, see? Um, the to honor God. And the result of giving to God? Yes, yes. Okay, we're going to talk about that just now. Thank you. Do you guys have something to add to that? Was there another group? No. You were the only ones. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Just looking at the time, so I'm glad we only had one group for that. Okay, wonderful. Here's the thing, guys. You guys heard all of this. He says here, honor the Lord with your wealth. And so you guys have explained that really wonderfully. We're to honor the Lord with our wealth in every way. And the way we honor the Lord is that we give to Him of our first fruits. That is, we, we give to Him the best that we have. Uh, generously so, and giving to him, you don't give it, doesn't go to heaven on a, like a basket, not like the offering basket, just like goes to the angel, and then, thank you, Gabriel. And, but it's, it's giving to him, giving to his purposes, to his works, and specifically even to his people. More so than immediately thinking you're a pastor, you're thinking generosity towards other Christians. More so than just general, than just the people want to always want to jump there. But actually, most of Christian, when he talks about money, it's talking about being generous and being loving with it to others, using it for the purpose of advancing the kingdom. And the results, and this is where I want to spend some time here because this is where there's confusion. Here's the result. The result is this: then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Here's what this means. In the, in, the, in the Old Covenant, right, when they were living uh, under a physical covenant, covenant was physical, right? The covenant was through, how do you, what was the mark of the covenant in the Old Covenant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Circumcision, yeah? Physical. What is the mark of the New Covenant now? Circumcision, but of what? The heart. Jeremiah 31 tells us circumcision of the heart, no longer of the flesh. Okay? Who were the recipients of the inheritance of the old covenant? Who were the who were though? The Israelites, the physical descendants, yeah? Who are the, the recipients of the of the new covenant's promises? The children of Abraham, which are those who are of faith. Are you seeing the difference between these two covenants? One is primarily physical, the other one is primarily spiritual. Come back for a second. What was the main blessings of the old covenant? What were the main, what were the main blessings of the old covenant? What was the, the one thing that was the main thing about the old covenant that they had to go and get? That. 
the land of Israel, right? The promised land. Is there a promised land now? There is. Where is it? Heaven. Okay? You're seeing this. In the old covenant, everything was physical. The blessing was more children. Okay? And if you didn't have children, oh man, horrible life for you. You're cursed. In the new covenant, the children are the disciples. You seeing this? So in the new covenant, everybody has an opportunity to not be barren. Because you can just go out and make this. You can just make children all over the place. Just have children everywhere. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. No maintenance even. You don't even have to pay for them. Or take them to school. Just evangelize everywhere. Boom, 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 boom. Evangelize. Multiple evangelisms. Multiple children. Yeah? Are you seeing the distinction I'm making? So in the old covenant, the sign of God's blessing was mainly physical. In the new covenant, the sign of God's blessing is a spiritual flourishing. So what we're seeing here is this. When he says, then if you honor the Lord with your wealth, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be, birth- vats will be bursting with wine. He's saying what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and Luke 12. Do not store up treasures where? Where what happens? Moth and steel and, and thieves come in to steal, right? But rather store your treasures where? Where what doesn't happen? No thieves. 100%. No moth, no thieves. That investment is safe. Whatever's happening here, the oil price does not matter over there. You see what I'm saying? So what it's saying here is this, is that, and then, and then of course Paul comes and interprets this, this thing properly for us. You invest with the physical and you will reap bountifully. If you want your, if you want your, your if you want all this, the blessings of Christianity, the true blessings of Christianity, if you want them, honor the Lord with your wealth and you'll see the Lord grow your investment triplefold. The problem is that when you start thinking that he's going to re- give you a physical return, for you to get a physical return, I'm sorry, you're, you're not an Israelite. You're born at the wrong time. Okay? <laughs> if you wanted a physical return, if you wanted to actually have a part... See, if I was teaching this 3,000 years ago in Israel, I would not be saying anything spiritual. I will be saying, hey guys, you guys are hungry, right? Honor the Lord with your wealth. Do you remember what he says in Malachi? Remember what he says in Malachi? He says, you guys are hungry. You guys are hungry because you're not tithing. You're not giving to me. If you just give to me, you would get, I would bless you. I'd bring rain. You would have, all your barns would be full. But the problem is, you guys are so spiritually disconnected from me. So then I'm going I'm to hold back the physical. The picture of the old and the new is reversed. In the old... In the old covenant, their spiritual disease was seen physically. They had spiritual disease, they were far from God, so then it was seen physically. God made them, let them be invaded by people. God let their land be taken away. In the new covenant, it's reversed. You, you honor God with the physical, and He advances you spiritually. See, it's reversed. So, all of, all of this is just to say this, that um, 
the, 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 the true blessing of Christianity with regards to your money is to think not on what can I get physically, to think how can I advance spiritually. Even in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says that the reason I'm asking you guys to give for the purpose of feeding the Jerusalem church is so that you guys might advance in this grace. You guys are doing well. You guys are praying, right? Wonderful. He says that. You guys are praying. You guys are, you guys are, you guys are learning the word, aren't you? You guys are growing in your knowledge of God. Wonderful. You're, you're advancing in this. You're advancing in that. Now advance in this muscle. It's like imagine okay, those people who go to gym. And imagine this guy, he really works out this one muscle. His one arm is huge. And then like he works out the shoulder. And the shoulder is massive. And then like he works out like this side is just massive. And the legs are like this guy you can see. He's a Mr. Olympia. But then he never exercises this arm. So his arm is my size arm. And the rest of it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. You see, Paul says, no, you need to exercise all the muscles. And you need to exercise, you need to advance in this grace as well. The grace of giving. Honoring the Lord with your money. Such that you will see him. Then you can grow in that as well. You can grow in being detached from material things. Finally, let's come to D. Um, yo, we're, we're really out of time in three minutes so group D I'm sorry you're not going to present I'm just going to get it unless you guys are happy for to have them present are you happy for the time you can give me ten more minutes I gave you more time so you can give me more time you, okay, I gave you more time okay fine group D in really really short like boom 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 answer these questions group D are there two group D's one group D. Real quick, fast, 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 like within a minute. What is discipline? Okay, we said that discipline is a process by which God teaches us the way to live his life for God. Uh, discipline is instruction or teaching, may be verbal, may be corporal, but it's meant to give us foolishness, wisdom. It's aimed at restoring us to God. Yeah. Why do we hate discipline? Why are we all, what, what tempts us to hate discipline? Okay, why are we hesitant to despise discipline? Yeah. So it's arrogant and proud that we are lying on our own eyes, we assume we don't know how to live this life well, and as a result, discipline doesn't seem nice to us because we are understanding what we need. 100%. Now jump to question four. According to this text, if we were not reproved, what would that mean about our relationship to God? Are you, are you hearing this? If you don't get discipline from God, you are an illegitimate child. He is unsure that you belong to Him. Sophie? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Oh, if it was nice, we'd all be going through it, right? Like, oh, no, it's uncomfortable at all. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I think question five is also a bit irrelevant. It's the same as the last one. 
6. Did you, were you able to find a few examples of people being reproved in Scripture and how they responded? Yes. Even David, with um, that sin, um, you know, the, you mentioned that, that David and that sin with Bathsheba, right? You notice how he quickly repented there. As soon as he understood what Nathan was talking about, and as soon as Nathan said, you are the man, he said, I've sinned against the Lord. And, like, and then that's the last thing he says. The next, thing, the next time we see David, a few verses later in chapter 13, he is fasting and praying and asking for forgiveness. See, uh, guys, uh, discipline is everything. Reproof, discipline, every, is everything. Absolutely everything. Without it, no house can stand. Without it, no one can be formed. Find me the child that doesn't get reproved and disciplined. You've seen them, haven't you? Don't you sometimes just feel like sad for those moms in the shops? Okay, it's harsh. But yeah, they are, but, but you've seen them, right? Like you say, completely uncontrollable, completely throwing a tantrum. And who do we look to as a person who has a problem in that situation? The child or the parent? The parent. So do you honestly think that God is like that parent? No. So then you should expect to be reproved. If your if your if your bum is not hurting right now and it's backing from heaven, just wait, it's coming. It's coming. If your bum is feeling comfortable right now, you don't feel any any spanking, any discipline, it's coming. And the discipline comes in different ways to the Lord. I can tell you now from someone who's worked with as uh, someone who's worked with the Lord for a long time. The discipline comes to the church, okay, in an extreme case. But in a more day-to-day case, the discipline comes by the issue being exposed in a way you don't want. When you're living in sin and you don't want to deal with it, God exposes it in a manner that is embarrassing, unhelpful, sad. Uh, and sometimes the Lord will withdraw certain things from you. But by and large, the main way that discipline happens in a Christian's life is the Holy Spirit remaining quiet. So you're told to walk with the Spirit. Walk with Him. Do not quench Him. Walk with Him. Follow Him. And then when you choose, do not follow Him in that moment. And then He, and then he, he almost leaves a hollow. You ever felt that, that hollow just like dryness? You, you, you're sticking to your sin. You're doing your sin. You're in your sin. And then He just takes a step back. Because I'm going to remove the joy and the peace. That I was bringing to the same. Because that's what you want. You want to live outside of it. So let me just remove it so you can see. And then you feel the lack of peace. You feel unsettled. And then you break down and cry and ask for forgiveness. And then he steps back in. And he brings that joy and assurance. That's why you Christians sometimes you need to be not too very quick to be quick to assure someone. 
be watched for the right situation because perhaps the Lord is taking someone through a necessary grief so that they can have true repentance. And when you want to jump really quickly and say, no, but the Lord loves you, everything's fine. No, calm down. They need to go through this pain. They need to feel what the Holy Spirit is making. They need to feel this brokenness so that the Holy Spirit can do it. Because right now he's standing back. He's holding his peace, his joy with him. He's standing back here and he says, enjoy your sin. And you can't because you belong to him. You belong to him, you can't. If you could enjoy your sin, you'd be, you'd be getting your sins. No, you can't enjoy it because you belong to him. You've been regenerated. When there's a disconnection between you and heaven, things are not right. And you want that connection. You want that fellowship. And so the Lord then is going to give you some discipline. And let me tell you the solution. The solution is repent. Quick. Quick repentance. Quick repentance. Quick repentance. Don't allow things to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and create. Why would you create a chasm with someone who holds all the joy and peace that you want and he's busy calling you? Return. Why would you you go down this road, go down, further down, further down, a road that is not helping you? Just return. And you know, sometimes you delay repentance, delay repentance, and then when you finally repent, and the fellowship, the sweet fellowship of the Spirit of God returns, you're like, man, what was I thinking? What was going on in my mind? Like, why was I doing that for three days? Oh, what did I even gain by doing that? Oh. That's a discipline of the Lord. And it is precious. You need to, you need to love it. And sometimes the Lord is going to make some characteristic things in your life. Sometimes He will take away some things that you are hoping in. Sometimes you had an idol. And he's going to remove them. He's going to break your heart. Sometimes he's going to take away even a good thing from you. Because that good thing is no longer good for you. See, the Lord's discipline comes. And you need to, once you become a child of God, you're walking with your Father in heaven. And he is not just like, let me tell you something. As a father, I know this now. Whenever I'm in my house, oh, it's hard out here at church because there's people. But whenever I'm in my house or whenever I'm around my son, my, I, I can be having a conversation with you, but I'm not. Like, I'm having 70% of a conversation with you. The 30% is, where's Koban? What is he doing? Wait, if I hear Koban speaking, I'm listening to how he's speaking. Like, in fathers, generally, right? Like, it's like, what is he saying? Who, who are you talking to like that? <laughs> like, you just, it's like, something happens when that baby comes out. Like, all of a sudden, you have a split. Listening waves, you're like, you're now always listening to what is he saying? How is he saying it? What is he running around? Weren't you? What? <laughs> hey! You always think, you're always thinking about me so that you can control it. That's literally my life. Like, I could be watching a wonderful Liverpool match, and then Koban is going to be like, hey! That's a father's life, even better than I am. God is not just going to allow you to go crazy. He's not going to allow you to, to run around, do things, act in certain ways without bringing a good I saw two hands. I saw a hand here and a hand over there. Good, great question. Number one, uh, uh, 
Don't be quick to affirm things you don't know. Okay? So half the time we want to be quick to say, ah, oh, the devil is doing this to you. You don't know that. Did the devil consult with you before he went to this? You don't know that. Okay? So it, it, just don't just don't just don't say things you don't know. Say things that are true. The Bible says, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is precious, think on those things. So say whatever is true. So if somebody's going through a hard time, and it's obviously come from the Lord, then you just like you, you, you say whatever is true. You comfort them with the comfort that comes from the Lord, whatever is true. Uh, if if they are feeling like it's because they need to repent of something. And that it's like, oh man, am I, do I need to repent of something? Don't be quick, like there's a man, there's a, a, a brother who like was struggling and like, they were just like, man, why am I going so, through so many trials in such a short space of time? And like, is, the, is the Lord chastising me for something? Is, is it, and the fact that he said that made it clear to me like, listen, is this sin that you're hiding? Why, are you, why is your mind even going there? Is there something that you're doing in the dark that nobody else sees? Because perhaps it is, and the Lord is trying to wake you up from it. So it's always don't 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 be quick to us to to assuage, to, to to make somebody's conscience feel comfortable when maybe they shouldn't. Just ask questions, listen, figure out what's going on, and just offer and say only what is true. And it's going, to, it's going to be case by case, so that you're required to really watch your mouth and check. But it's case by case, yeah? Um, uh, yeah. Is that, is that useful? Over there, over there, hand. Did I answer it? Okay. Any other questions? Hands as we close here? Diebo. There you are.
Oh, the question was regarding if someone needs you, but they're toxic. <laughs> I also want to understand this term toxic, alright? Like, so you're talking about you're talking about someone who's like like say say for example we're talking about someone who's like who's always asking for money and then they go to drugs with it. Then they come back and ask for money. Someone who's not kind. Perpetually not kind. Yeah. But they need you. But they need you. <laughs> <laughs> so we are upset to them. Okay, look, again, this is some of the situations that I really need to know the whole story, right? Well, they want black and clean. But one thing I'll say this is that a, a lack of a good characteristic of someone is not a good enough reason for me to remove myself from. Because if, if that was established, then no, I'll, I'll be alone. If, if because somebody has a, has a lack of a good characteristic, I can't just say now bye bye. So I need to work with it. But now I need to figure out what that looks like. If somebody's unkind, maybe I need to tell them that they're unkind. They should rebuke them. And some people are like the unkind people, but they know that they're unkind and they're working on it. Some people are unkind and they don't care. So, so I treat those two people differently. The one who's unkind, they're working on it. I'd be there as a friend to try and help them and just like use opportunities to say, hey, you notice that you were doing it here. But like not, instead of not even reminding them all the time, pointing it out. But the person who needs me, so it's, they're always in my face, but they're unkind and they don't care. I told them they're unkind and they don't care. Then I'll bring it up all the time. The reason I bring it up all the time is because I want them to feel condemned. So if, so if they don't care, they're like, they're always in your face, but they need you. But they're unkind and they're like causing problems and they're like this and they don't care about it. Then I wanna, every single time they do it, I tell them, you're doing it. What is when you do? Cause the statue break of the they are more unkind. <laughs> <laughs> then let them pull off. Let, let them pull off. Let them pull off and then say it again. <laughs> no, no, honestly, because because that person, you see, they need to be they need to feel the condemnation. They need to feel that they're in the wrong. It's one thing if you have a problem and you recognize it and you're working on it. It's another thing if you have a problem, you don't want to recognize it, you don't want to work on it at all. So then but you're the one who's coming to me because you need me. So I mean I apparently like you uh, again, it's a the situation also. So I don't I'll just leave, I'll leave that there, yeah? We can talk about this. If this is a real situation, Tanato, we can talk about it. Any Mosibut? Consulting everybody else before the Bible. Well, it depends who's everybody else. No, yeah, well, I think that's fine, because sometimes, you know what I mean, sometimes the situation is so complex that I want someone whom I trust their understanding of the Bible. Because maybe sometimes there's two scriptures that seem to be pulling in different directions in my head. So let me talk to this brother, hey, can you help me, or sister, can you help me put these two verses together, or put these concepts together, because in my head I'm, I'm, so I'm trusting their help, so that I can understand the word. It's not, it's not being wise and wise, it's actually very good to go and consult with other Christians. But if you're consulting with other people, 
whom you know are going to affirm you in the decision you want to go in, that's being wiser than that. Because you want to wrap yourself to go in the direction you want. You remember Rehoboam? Rehoboam went to the older men, they told them this is the way to go. And uh, the younger men who were restrained from him to grow up with, and he knew that they would say to him exactly what it is that he feels like doing. And that's the direction he went. Yeah. Any other hands? Questions? Did I see a hand there, Tandeva? No? Oh, no. I thought I saw you doing. No? Are we fine here? Going once? Sold. Let's pray. Lord, much has been said, much has been discussed. Please help. Please help, Father. Please provide assistance by your Holy Spirit. Not, not, not just not these things are just spoken and said, but that they would go to our hearts and that we would apply them. Oh, Holy Spirit, we, we long for you to change us. We long for you to make us wise people. We long for you to make us walk in step with the Lord Jesus. Help us. Please forgive us for times when we have despised your discipline. Forgive us for times when we have despised your your working and your word. Help us now uh, to walk in light of what you have said. In Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.